0: Welcome to the latest episode of Unleashing Brilliance. I am your host, Janine Garner, and it's an absolute pleasure to welcome you again to another episode where we talk to leaders, game changers, thought provokers, uh, incredible experts in their field around this concept of unleashing brilliance and really trying to explore how they discovered their own brilliance. Today, my guest is Sasha Coburn, and she is obsessed with unlocking the latent potential with everyone, and she's worked with thousands of people around the world to do this. She is a New Zealand leadership consultant who combines her love of coaching other leaders to sales and leadership mastery with active involvement in leading her her own family-held company, Coffee Culture. Her day job actually is running that business, Coffee Culture. It's a New Zealand group of boutique coffee shops with over 300 staff in 20 locations. And she is the COO of that organization, walking her talk every day, delivering messages that matter, leading her team with humanity and humor, and absolutely encouraging the growth of that organization. On top of that, she's worked closely for over 20 years with the Les Mills Group, coaching and developing teams around the world to step up and achieve outstanding results. She is a former lawyer with a master's degree in education, and she is currently, as a lifelong learner, uh, attending a, uh, a program at Harvard, business school. Sasha is absolutely full of energy. And what we talked about on this particular podcast revolved around essentially not taking on other people's rubbish when it comes to Actually, becoming that best version of yourself, unlocking your potential. She talks about understanding who you are and actually owning what it is that you want to become. And even when things get hard to do, her encouragement is to absolutely do the work. Because she says if we look at the successful people around the world who are achieving incredible things, they are just like you and me. And just like you and me, they are all flawed. So if they can achieve success, then why can't you? Enjoy this latest episode of Unleashing Brilliance with the incredible Sasha Coburn. Sasha Coburn, it is so fabulous to have you on my podcast. Thank you for gifting your time today. Super cool to be here from
1: the bottom of the world,
0: (laughs) from one of the most beautiful parts of the world, from uh, from New Zealand. Um, Now you you have got such an incredible resume of of experience as being a leader, um, as teaching leadership around this this concept of unlocking people's potential, but. As I know, having known you and, and read your story, that, that stuff has developed over time. Can you, can you remember a particular watershed moment that actually triggered the journey that you're on now, Sasha?
1: I think I have always known that there was something in me that wanted to be of service to others. And I'm sure that must have been implanted uh, in my childhood, but I have very distinct memories of being outspoken at times when perhaps it was unwise. So I I remember when I was about seven years old calling out in class because I had the answer correct and I was trying to help everybody understand this concept. And I called out, just out loud, shouted across the classroom to the teacher and I was right but I was also punished. I was uh, you know made to stay in after class because I had not put my hand up and I remember very clearly from that young age knowing that uh, the right thing to do was always to speak up and always to speak out to help other people around uh, better understand. So I had that moment and a very similar thing happened to me. I was at law school uh, at Otago which is in the South Island of New Zealand And we were studying a particular case. It would have been a classroom of about 200 people in it. And out of nowhere, I heard this voice. uh, And it was a, a woman's voice. She was challenging the lecturer, really giving him Uh, reading him the riot act about how wrong he was. And it wasn't until I was about a minute in that I really was conscious of the fact that it was my voice, (laughs) that I was actually uh, calling out the lecturer uh, on that occasion. And afterwards I went up to him and I apologised. I I said, I think that was rude. And and he really encouraged me saying what you bring is important. And so for me it's about always uh, honouring that desire to speak out, to be outspoken, but also to make sure what I was conscious of even in that moment was that I was speaking out in the service of others. I really wanted other people around me to understand. And um, yeah, those were two events that have really stood out in my memory.
0: And so that concept of um, being brave enough to speak out and your um, very clear differentiation around it being in service to others, what's, what's the opposite then of speaking out and not being in service to others, which which potentially isn't something that you're encouraging? What's, the, what's oh. the difference? Can you
1: explain it a bit further? Well, I think it's about motivation. And I'm always careful about whether I'm assigning motivation to other people. But we've all been in meetings with people who love the sound of their own voice. And I always challenge myself and my thinking whenever I'm about to speak, particularly uh, because I'm a competent and capable speaker. So the risk is I want to talk all the time. I've always got so much to say. But I ask myself, what does the room need right now? Is this in service of the other people in the room? And that's my filter. And I'm not sure that everybody in the room is applying that same filter. I think we can all think of people in our teams, uh, in our environments that we come across who love the sound of their own voice. Uh, They love to repeat. They love to express their opinion in a way that doesn't necessarily uh, help anyone else.
0: Mm. So tell us a little bit more about what it is that you, you do. What's, what is the, the life of Sasha? What does Sasha do?
1: Well, I, I feel really lucky that I have a kind of a multifaceted life. And in fact, one of the things that you'll know from your study of success is that so many people who are enormously successful are very single-minded in their focus, So one of my biggest challenges is that I'm not particularly single-minded. I love the fact that I get to do a bunch of different things in my life. Uh, And one of my challenges that I've got to face, it's actually my birthday today. I'm 47 today. Oh, happy
0: birthday. Thank
1: you. So every year when I have a birthday, I think about, okay, what's next for me? And at some point, I might decide to focus. And and maybe that will uh, exponentially increase uh, the joy and challenge that I can bring to others. But for now, I've got a multifaceted life. So one of the things I do is I work with my husband and we uh, own a family business. We own a bunch of coffee shops uh, in New Zealand and we franchise those throughout the country. And so that's essentially full time job for me. I'm the COO there, and uh, we're really proud of what we do, partnering with other people uh, to bring great environments to communities. So that's kind of the the business side, the the coffee culture side. But along the way, ever since I, you know I was very young, I've always been involved in speaking and bringing messages that matter uh, to people. And probably in the last ten to fifteen years, I have a commercial model around that. So I speak, uh, keynote speaker conferences and events. So that's a kind of another aspect of of what I do, really talking about things uh, around success, how to be personally and professionally successful, uh, what does authentic leadership look like? And an extension of that is I have a little side hustle. It's called The Company You Keep. And together with another woman, we run leadership development programs just two or three times a year. It's a very kind of specialist and simple offering. And we're really challenging people to get real about what it takes to be a leader. To do the deep work of understanding what motivates them, what makes them tick, so they can be more powerful in their personal and professional
0: leadership. And what makes you tick, Sasha? What What makes you 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 put in your uh, your bio that you're a pracademic? I love that. Uh, can you, can you explain to our listeners what you mean by Yeah, and also what, what is it that makes you tick? What keeps you going? So the
1: pracademia thing, this is the idea. I've always been a lifelong learner. So when I left school, I, uh, went to law school, I've got a master's degree in uh, education. I was lucky enough uh, two years ago to win a Prime Minister's Business Scholarship to go to Harvard. Uh, So I'm currently enrolled at Harvard Business School. So I've always had this fascination with learning and I want to be evidence-based in everything that I do. So research fascinates me. I'm a magnet for new ideas. But what I find in academia uh, often is there's lots of great ideas without the practical application. So it's a big so what. So you read this new theory and it's like so what. So my challenge with Pracademia is to say how do I bring what I learn and make it real and make it real for the 19 year olds who work in our coffee shops and are learning how to make great coffee And also make it real for the C-suite leaders that I am working with and coaching in terms of their speakership and their leadership. So Pracademia kind of bridges that gap between the theory and what actually works uh, in practice. And if I think about what makes me tick, uh, I'm very curious so I love, mm-hmm. I love learning. And one of the things that I, that I know I come across as to people in my social group, I come across as a real know-all, <laughs> like I, I know so much about so many things. But in actual fact, I feel daily like I know nothing about anything because I'm always asking questions. So I, I don't have any pride or ego attached to what it is that I do. So I'm super comfortable saying, wow, I did not know that. Please tell me, teach me, help me understand that. And I think that serves me because what makes me tick is just wanting to understand stuff and then translate that so that other people can understand it as well.
0: You, you know, you come across, you can hear your energy and, and your passion for what it is that you do. And having met you in person, you absolutely are infectious in terms of your energy that you bring to what you do. But I'm imagining, you know, people listening to this will go, yeah, that's great. You know, lots of lots of success and great achievements there. But Um, as with everybody, I'm sure there have been moments where you've hit that all time low or there has been a failure. And when you look back, you go, yeah, that was a real turning point in terms of me becoming who it is that I'm supposed to become. Can you think of a particular moment like that, that you're happy to share?
1: Yeah, I can, I can think of a couple, Uh, my life's very, more than a couple, (laughs) multiple failures, uh, the, the first that I want to share with you, I have a fundamental belief that uh, all business is personal, and I think who we are in our professional lives is absolutely a reflection of who we are personally. And When I teach, I'll often use examples from family life uh, or personal lives because I think the extracted lessons are really powerful. So when, when you ask me what failures uh, have I had, I share quite openly I've been really rubbish at relationships. Uh, for a long time so in my early 20s I went from like a two-year relationship to a two-year relationship and I remember just going home to my parents house and just crying for about five weeks because I was so rubbish people kept dumping me I'm like I'll never get married I'm a terrible person and the insight that eventually came to me was that I had been putting all of my sort of future happiness in the hands of someone else And I can't believe it took me so long to learn this life lesson that until I was complete and secure within myself, I was never going to be a particularly viable option for anybody. And I've since uh, been with my now husband for a a century, it feels like. Um, But until I was ready to really do the work and be complete in myself. Now, everyone knows this instinctively, right? But how that plays out in our professional life is that we think we just need one more job title before we take the next step or we don't put ourselves forward for an opportunity because we need one more qualification. And we're always saying one next thing will complete me. One more course will be the, my ticket. Uh, there's just, and we, we put things in front of our success. And as soon as professionally we say, actually, who I am right now in this moment I'm ready to step up and be powerful, I think that's a, that's a moment where you go, okay, let's go.
0: Mm. And w- what was the tipping point for that? So you talk about relationships. Was, it, was there anything else or was it just gradual over time where you went, enough of me chasing this, I've actually got to start loving myself first to enable other people to love me back?
1: Well, I think the, pr- the professional context was I kept waiting to be discovered. Mm. I kept waiting for someone to notice me and say, hey, kid, wow, you're pretty cool. Here's a CEO job for you. I, I, I remember in my early career, I couldn't quite believe that I wasn't getting the traction that I felt that I deserved. And I was waiting for someone to notice me. Mm. So I remember waking up to this idea that perhaps what I ought to do is just start behaving as if I already was in those positions. Because even though it wasn't on my title, I could still make a meaningful contribution. And as soon as I started to behave as though that responsibility was already mine, of course that was when I started getting noticed.
0: Do you think, Sasha, that for you talk about unlocking that latent potential and one of the things um, that actually has has become apparent from talking to so many people on this podcast is it's it's similar to what you're saying of this constant striving, proving, striving, proving, acquiring, chasing the next thing, but that ability to just slow down and go, actually, I've got to own my spotlight first um, before I can step up From your experience of working with leaders around the world and in your own business, do you see that to be the evidence to be true that that until they can see themselves? I think you posted something. I saw something on Facebook this week where you're speaking on a stage and there's that wonderful avatar image in the background. Um, And I think you were talking about this concept of own yourself first to enable you to create the impact. Can you share your thoughts on that? Yeah I think it's really important that
1: people understand who they are and what they want to bring. So for me the deep work was about saying who am I and how do I make sure the very best of me turns up to every situation. So I I spent some time thinking who are you What do you want to be known for? And this was quite separate to title. So I developed this personal mantra. If I just share the first two words of the mantra with you, it's that I am joy, I am challenge. And what that helped me do is it meant that in every professional situation I would go in, I would say, I want people at the end of their interaction with me to feel elevated, inspired, uplifted, every situation I'm in. When I'm firing someone, I want them to leave being more elevated and inspired. When I'm having challenging contractual conversations with people, I want the person on the other side to who I am effectively negotiating with to feel joy as a result of having an interaction with me. But the second word is challenge. So I'm also okay if people walk away feeling a little bit uncomfortable. I see it as part of my role To challenge. So, as soon as I got clear about what I'm here for and who I am, it actually set me free from a bunch of other things that I was trying to be that were perhaps a little bit inauthentic. They're not my. It's not my key calling to be those other things. I don't need to be the calm person in the room. And at times I've thought, yes, be more calm. I have a, one of my favourite things is my mum now. My mum is one of my best friends, and uh, from time to time I will be at her house before I leave for a meeting or before I go to a speaking gig. She'll often say to me, "Oh, Sash, just a, just a bit of advice." Remember, I've turned 47 today, but never, never too old for mum to be giving me some advice as I leave the house. And she said, Sash, in the meeting, just try not to say too much. Try not to overpower other people. And I'm like, man, she knows me so well, and yet she is not seeing me in my magnificence because in my magnificence, I am joy and I am challenge, And damn straight, that means I'm talking.
0: Mm, I love it. What do you think gets in people's way, other people's way? Because this essentially is, this podcast is all about unleashing brilliance becoming more of who you are and and bringing the impact that you you want to make. From your perspective, what do you see as getting in the way? Uh, First of all, I think, let's look at yourself, what got in your way of doing that? And then secondly, what do you see in other people that gets in their way?
1: Well, I think it's, there's two things, and I want to answer the question in two parts. First of all, I think the single biggest fear for all of us is that we care what people think. Mm. And we let that get in the way of just about everything. So we say, who am I to step up and do this? And we translate that to mean if I do this, other people will look badly upon me. Other people will judge me. And when I really started to turbocharge in my career was when I stopped caring what other people think when it was not their permission or approval uh, that I was seeking. And the second aspect to that is to not read signs out there as being messages from the universe. Or if you are going to see things that happen to you as being messages from the universe – to learn to process them in a way that serves your goal. Let me give you an example. One of the very worst things that ever happened in my career was I was invited to speak at a conference in Sweden. I don't know how expert you are at geography, but Sweden is a long way away from New Zealand. So it cost a lot for this company to fly me to Sweden. They had to pay for my time. It takes about seven days to get there. So once I got to Sweden, I did everything right. I had my uh, Whitney Houston in my headphones as I was walking to the venue. I'd done a little bit of preparation. I mean, I'd done enough preparation. I'm a a world-class, fantastic, famous speaker. How much preparation do you need to do, right? So I got up and I spoke in Sweden, and about 5,000 people were there, and nobody listened. So literally the crowd spoke while I was speaking. So – it was the most horrendous experience. It's what I, what I imagined drowning to be like. I felt like I was just drowning on stage, and every time I opened my mouth to get some air, just more water was gushing in and up my nostrils. I was terrible, absolute dismal failure. On the plane ride home, I remember thinking some people would see this as a message from the universe to give up, to go home, to never speak in public again. How will you ever come back from this terrible experience? But I know that what I said to myself was there is a message in here from the universe and the message is get off your arrogant high horse and do more preparation. Mm. So take the learning is to say if the universe is telling you something, take a message and meaning from it that serves you, not one that cuts you off, It would have been so easy just to retreat at that point. And I'm like, this will not beat me. Because remember, I no longer care what people think.
0: I'm sure people listening to this are going, yes, 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 Sasha. I've got to stop caring what people think. But it's so much harder, right? It's, It's hard to step into that space. And I think, I mean, a couple of conversations I've had with people, you know, their response has been, but isn't that a little bit selfish to an arrogant to not care what other people think? What's your response to that?
1: I don't think it's selfish or arrogant, but I understand why people would think that because it can seem egotistical, right? Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that we shouldn't be open to the trusted and valuable feedback from people who care about us, know us and love us and have our best interests at heart. But let let me give you this example. When I speak, sometimes the conference organisers will want to pass on the feedback from the crowd and I've asked them not to. Because what happens is there'll be 500 people in an audience and 499 people will go, oh, that was amazing. Thank you so much. And one person will write on the feedback card, yeah, she didn't really work for me. Mm. And human nature is I don't go to bed that night going, wow, 499 people have had a really positive experience. I've brought joy and challenge. I go to bed at night scanning my mental picture of the audience trying to work out which bastard gave me that shitty piece of feedback. That's the way our, <laughs> so brain, that's the way our brains are wired, right? So, yeah. so partly when you say, I'm not going to care what people think, there can be an arrogance that says, actually, I want to get feedback from people who have experience and who are experts but also it's about saying when people, when we're caring about what people think, they are bringing all their own shit to the party, right? Mm. So why would I want to take that on? Why would I want to take on what's going on for them? And you know the classic thing where we say, you know, we worry about what people think about us and most people aren't thinking about us, they're thinking Mm. about themselves. So I think there are some tools that that we can apply in our lives to say, how do we stop the fear of what other people think getting in? But partly for me, it's a bit like a muscle, which is not that you want to stop the fear. It's the cliche, you feel the fear, but you do it anyway. Mm -hmm. And the more you exercise this process, which says, although I am afraid, I continue. Mm -hmm. Although I am afraid, I continue. I get knocked down, I get back up. And the more you do that, the more that just becomes your habit and way of operating. Mm.
0: So who has been the most influential person in your life?
1: (laughs) So now I am going to sound really egotistical. I want to answer that question in two parts as well. My mother has been hugely important for me, partly because my parents were missionaries by choice. Mm. And because of that, we grew up poor. So... Although my mother was uh, a teacher, a trained teacher, she stopped work for a period of time and uh, would take on whatever part-time work she could so that I could uh, have piano lessons and so I could continue to do ballet. And so she would go and clean the houses of people that I went to school with uh, and she did that house cleaning job and people at school would say to me, oh, your mum's our cleaner. And I know that she did that out of extreme love for me. And the influence of that in my life has been huge because the opportunity that that afforded me uh, was immense. And so the influence that says, even when this is hard, I will do the work. And I've taken that from my mum. So make no mistake, I've got many uh, talents, gifts and opportunities, but deep as I work hard. And that's that's something I've learned from my mum. But the reason I laughed when you asked me about who's been influential in your life um, I've been really influential in my life. And I, and I know that's not the answer that we're supposed to give, right? But I thought about it and I've made choices and I'm really proud of the choices that I made along the way to take the hard option or to seek out more learning or to finally end a rubbish relationship or to say no to an opportunity that wasn't right for me. And I've allowed my best self to influence my other self that might want to just take the easy option
0: does that make sense yeah absolutely it does make sense can you uh can you think of one particular choice that you made that may have been quite tough to work through but having made that decision and come out of the other side of that decision now, looking back, you're going, thank God I made that decision. Is there a particular one that you can think of? Um,
1: I think when uh, I've had aggressive breast cancer. So, when I was 36, I was diagnosed with nuclear grade cancer and I had a mastectomy and chemotherapy, radiotherapy, you know, years of treatment. When I was very first diagnosed with cancer, I knew in that moment I had a choice. And instead of thinking, why me? I just said, why not me? Why would I have been spared this journey? And how can I make this journey a gift that serves others? And what that choice did is that enabled me to get through that whole process with just an outward focus And that's really helped everything that's happened in my life since then. It could have been so easy for cancer to be the story of my life. I could be the person that's on the conference circuit talking about cancer and how I overcame that. But I was just so determined that it was just going to be a footnote and a sidebar in my story. And that was very much a deliberate choice. And it was hard for people around me. I, um, I wrote newspaper articles that said the joy of cancer, the gift of cancer. And I know that for some people that would have been confronting because everyone's cancer journey isn't uh, like that. But for me, it was a deliberate choice. And I'm really pleased I made that one.
0: Oh, thank you for sharing sharing that story. Um, because I think yeah, that that whole concept of of choice. I was asked yesterday about what gets in the way of of people stepping forward, and I truly believe it's ourselves. Uh, we get in our own way, and whether it's you know as you've talked about because we're worrying about other people, or whether it's actually the voices in our head we're listening to. Um, that choice to go enough i'm going to take control is 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 so so important so thanks thanks for for sharing that to to just flip this this conversation slightly what what do you think has been the the biggest factor that's helped you unleash your brilliance or you achieve your your success in terms of where you're at now knowing full well that you are a lifelong learner and i know there's lots more dreams and work to do but in terms of where you're at now what do you think has been the biggest factor
1: I think the biggest factor for me is the ability to be really global in my perspective. So the confidence or the arrogance to say, what's possible? And I'm the son of a preacher man. My dad was a preacher when I grew up. And he used to share this uh, verse from the Bible about, he used to say that your, uh, your old man will have dreams and your young people will have visions. And it was this idea that There's so much always ahead of us. What I didn't want to ever have in my life was to see someone else living my dream. And I'm sure that happens for lots of people. They go, oh, I could have been that, I might have been that, and if only. And my commitment was to never live with regret. So when I think about what's possible for me, what would I like to do? I'm not afraid of saying I would love to, in the service of others, be able to share my message with more people. And Mm -hmm. if that means that I want to be, it's not that I want to be Oprah-known around the world, but if I could be Oprah-influential in the service of others, how cool would that be? Right? Wouldn't that be great? And so that willingness to think
0: really big, is what I think has propelled me forward. And I'm not sure if you can hear, but we've got a lovely uh, external sound machine happening in the neighbor's garden. So apologies to our, le- our listeners, but I am not stopping this conversation. Um, I love that concept, Sasha, that 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 concept of don't let someone else live your dream. In the work that you do, do you do you see... People, what do you see that actually happening? Do you see people giving up their dreams? Um, you know, what what are you seeing? What's what do you see around you right now that that encourages you to keep sharing your message?
1: What I see is I see people who feel washed up too soon. Mm. So we have a couple of examples of business people in New Zealand who got their start in their late 40s. And for me, I hold on to that. I hold on to hope, right? I hold on to hope that the best years of my life are ahead of me, always. And I'm sure when I'm 85, I'll be going, right, my ability to influence others is really going to ramp up by the time I'm 90. And so I think for a bunch of people, they go, if I haven't made it yet, then perhaps I'm never going to make it, and I think that thinking is misguided. We are obsessed with uh, youth and good looks, and and I think that infiltrates into lots of uh, insidiously. It creeps into our sense that we are that our time is up before it's up. So I, I think anybody has the possibility at any age to propel themselves forward, and I just think people lack the courage of their conviction to do magnificent things. So my belief is that each of us is infinitely gifted with possibility but we're just scared to see what that might look like so I know for myself I'm like well if I'm meant to have a tv channel that goes all around the world what would that mean and it feels scary and so we go you know what um I'll I'll just keep running some little coffee shops in New Zealand Right, So mm. we, we kind of contract our own thinking. A- and, I, and I see that. I see that when I uh, mentor other business people and I say, "You know, what's your big, hairy, audacious goal? What are you looking for? And they go, well, I've got one shop now and I'd like to have two. Ugh, and my soul kind of sinks. I'm like, yeah, great, small steps, but why not 200? Somebody's mm. going to have 200. Why not you? Why not mm. you? And, and this may sound terrible and I don't care, Men are mediocre and they're in positions of responsibility and I want to burn that whole system down. I don't mean all men, obviously, but they don't seem to doubt themselves in the same way sometimes that women do. Mm. So I just want to encourage people to have a crack. Man, have a crack. The more people that I meet who are influential in business and are influential in politics and that are making a difference, So many of them are wonderful, but they're just flawed human beings like you and me. And so when you realize that people are doing great things, but they're just people like you and me, it expands your sense of what's possible. You and me could rule the world. That's what's possible.
0: And so in the context of... Unleashing brilliance what what does that mean to you if you were uh, you know had to say to our listeners this this is what I believe you unleashing brilliance is all about what would be your message to them?
1: My message would be to do the work to discover what it is that makes you tick and then seek to be that person day in, day out, as a matter of habit, that in every situation you find yourself in, you require it of yourself to bring your best to that situation because brilliance in the small moments will create opportunities for you to be brilliant on a much bigger and much wider scale.
0: I love that. Now, if I could get your mom to join us on this podcast right now, what would you say to her?
1: I would say, mum, thank you thank you so much for all the things that you did for me, but you were wrong about me being quiet. When I, when I leave the house, your advice to me should have been, say more, take up more time.
0: I mm. love that, love that. So, Sasha, to, to wrap this up, um, what would you like to be remembered for?
1: I would love people to say about me, she was not afraid to speak out. She was not afraid to say the thing that needed to be said. And she saw me. She saw the potential in me and she challenged me to step up. Mm.
0: Love it, Sasha. I could talk to you forever Thank you for speaking up and for speaking out and for encouraging so many other people to unlock their potential and also to live and breathe what you encourage so many others to do through your own business in terms of those, those coffee shops, the people working in them, and the belief that I know you instill in people in all the work that you do. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show today. Thanks, Janine. We hope you enjoyed listening to The Janine Garner Show. To follow her blog, purchase her books, or find out more, visit her website, janinegarner.com.au. Brilliant people. Extraordinary results.